May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. This is how Paul starts his letter to the Ephesians. Let me speak that blessing over us again. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I don't know about you, but as I've looked back over 2020, I feel like I'm a little short on grace and peace. Am I right? I feel like the world is a little short on grace and peace. We've got a political divide right now that is such a chasm that if you're standing on one side, I'm not sure you can see anyone who's on the other side. Our race relations are so tense that you can't have a conversation even with your own family. We have a pandemic that has us looking at each other with suspicion. Maybe you'll get me sick, or maybe I think masks are ridiculous, or maybe I think this is all a big hoax. We are far from experiencing grace and peace. And if I were to pull someone aside and I I would say, you know what? You know what you need is Jesus. That person might nod their head, but then they might look at me and say, that would be great. Let me know when he shows up. If I were to pull that same person aside and I would say, you know what you might need is the church. That person might laugh. And while some of us have experienced the grace and peace that comes from the body of Christ, there are other people who find that idea completely ridiculous. And yet, Paul here, at the end of his prayer for the Ephesians, says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is what? His body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. I should be able to look someone in the eye and say, if you want to experience the grace and peace of Jesus Christ, you can experience it through the church, his body. And yet that seems so distant for so many people. Seems like a ridiculous statement. And I've wondered over the last week why that is. And as I was thinking about it and processing it, it took me back to a conversation that I was a part of about a year and a half ago. Our local board of administration and our staff was on a retreat together talking about the kind of the mission and the vision of the church and where we might be headed. And in the midst of that conversation, one of our board members spoke up and he said something that's been rattling around in my head ever since. He said, I wonder if the church has lost her power. 
And I don't think he was talking about political power or some sort of influence. I think he was talking about the church has lost the power that Jesus gave her to bring healing to people who are broken. The church has lost the power to cast out those demons that hold us captive. And because of that, the church has lost her power, her authority to preach the good news because we're talking about some good news like it's a timeshare off in the future instead of something that can be experienced in the here and now. Is it possible that the church has lost her power? And Paul doesn't take that phrase lightly. Did you see what he says in this prayer? I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that rose Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Don't just gloss over that. The incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Paul believes something that's extremely important, something that we have got to get our minds around this morning. Paul wholeheartedly believed that we see, we got to see Jesus, God incarnate, walking on earth among us, fully human, fully God, giving of himself, healing the sick, casting out demons, preaching the good news with power gave himself, suffered, died, was resurrected, ascended to the right hand of the Father with all authority and has now given that authority to the church to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The church is now the body of Christ on earth. If I look at someone and I say, Jesus is what you need to experience grace and truth or grace and peace, we should be able to say that the church, Christ's body, is where you will experience that. So why have we lost that power? As I looked at this passage, one of the things that stood out is that Paul says, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for who? Us. Us. Not God's power for you and God's power for you and God's power for you. It's God's power for us. And as he prays through this passage, you keeps coming up and it is a you that is not you. It is you that is y'all. And if we are going to find this power for the people of God that we seem to have lost, we have to recapture y'all. I'm convinced that until we understand, until we can read passages like this as y'all, we will stay ineffective. Now, 
after Steve's sermons last week, no number of conversations that I've had this week have revolved around this question. Let's make this shift from me to we. Who is we? Who is this y'all? And so I've been wrestling with that over the past 48 hours. And as I was thinking about it, I was taken back to Mark chapter two, a passage I read with some friends of mine not too long ago. At the beginning of the book of Mark, Jesus is walking around from place to place. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's preaching the good news with authority. And he's getting in fights with the religious leaders. This is what he's doing through these first two chapters. And as he's walking along the road one day, he sees a tax collector. He says, hey, Levi, come follow me. Levi gets up, starts following him. If it were only that easy, right? So as they leave, all of a sudden, Levi has Jesus over and he throws a party. And who's at the party? Well, who comes to a party of a tax collector? Other tax collectors and sinners because they're the only people who hang out with him. Right? So Jesus is at this party with these tax collectors and sinners. And all of a sudden, the religious leaders walk by and they see what Jesus is up to and they call his disciples out and they say, what in the world is your teacher, your rabbi, doing with those people? And Jesus reminds them that those who are well don't need a doctor. I've come to bring healing to those who are sick. I've come to bring righteousness to the unrighteous. Later on, in other parts of the Gospels, you see Jesus at the table with the religious leaders too. Eating with them, talking with them. But I believe that what Jesus wanted was for both of those groups to sit at the same table. I, I'm not sure you, you, you're getting it. Can you imagine what would happen if these religious leaders and these tax collectors and sinners gathered at the same table with Jesus? Think about it. These religious leaders, I, I used to really, you know, I didn't like them very much, but I'm beginning to understand that they had a heart for Yahweh. They were trying to keep the religious law as best they knew, and they wanted to keep it pure. And so they're kind of trying to safeguard the worship of Yahweh. They understood who the Messiah was supposed to be. They knew the story of God in the Old Testament. They had a depth of insight and knowledge that was incomparable in their day. This group over here didn't know any of that. This group knew once I was blind, now I can see. That's all I got. I was in bondage and now I'm set free. I couldn't walk and now I can. That's all I know. Imagine if this group and that group could sit at the same table with Jesus. What would happen? Paul tells us what would happen. 
ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere. I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. This is what happens when this group and this group gather around the table with Jesus. Spiritual insight, wisdom, knowledge of God. I can't get a full picture of God until I'm at the table with all of these people. Do you see it? And yet, it feels like today, if I disagree with you on one point, we can no longer sit at the same table. It feels like if you and I don't see eye to eye on absolutely everything, I have to go sit somewhere else. But do you see what happens when we do that? Jesus is sitting at the table with Levi and his friends. And because the Pharisees, the religious leaders, don't believe that they can sit there, they cluster off over here by themselves. Where's Jesus? He's still over there. And this is what we do. When we separate ourselves from the table, when we surround ourselves with people who only tell us what we want to hear, when we surround ourselves with people who already agree with us, we might find ourselves sitting at a different table than Jesus. Now, maybe it's just me. But I've met a lot of Christians over the years. And if I'm honest, there's some I don't like. Okay, that's just me, sorry. There's some I haven't liked. I don't agree with. I don't get along with them. Guess what? It doesn't matter. Because it's at that table with them when we genuinely sit and listen for Jesus together and then listen to each other for understanding, not to fix them, not to win an argument. Can I get an amen? Not to change their mind, but to listen to Jesus together and listen to each other so that we can begin to sharpen each other. We can begin to raise the level of conversation. We can begin to understand who God is on a larger scale because they're gonna show us something about God that we might not see in just the people who are exactly like us. They're gonna give us a different perspective. We can't do this 
on our own. Because I have met so many people over the years, so many people who wear the name of Christian that I don't like, I understand that I cannot muster up the love for them that I need to have to sit at the table with them. And this to me is why when, when Steve asked us last week, why is it that we need to gather? Why do we need to be here? Why can't I just sit at home and listen to a good sermon and, and hear some music? Why do I need to be in this space with my church family? This to me is the reason. Because I cannot get a complete picture of God by myself. I'm convinced of it. Now, the problem is, in a, in a church this size, one of the dangers I can fall into is I'll sit way over there and the person I, I don't necessarily like can sit way over here. And as long as they stay out of my way and I stay out of theirs, we're all gonna be just fine, right? As long as they don't get in Pastor Steve's ear and start changing what he says, as long as they don't start talking about how we're gonna sing, as long as they don't start impacting what groups are gonna look like, we'll all be good. But when we gather together, looking at each other, saying there might be something that I have to learn from them. There might be something about God I will understand if I sit at the table with them and Christ. The problem is I can't do it unless we are focused on Christ. It is through the mystery of God that allows us to see that person differently. I have to be able to sit in the same room with them, knowing that we are worshiping the same God, looking at them through the eyes of Christ. And until we can do that, we are going to stay divided. We are going to stay separated. We are going to stay a bunch of me's instead of a we. Do we want to be the body of Christ? Do we want to be a place of grace and peace? Do we want to experience the incredible power of Christ, the power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead? Do we want to be a place of freedom, of hope, of healing. If that's what we want, we need to sit at the table with Jesus and listen. Now, I would love it if I stood up here and talked for 15 minutes and all of you got up and you left and you're like, yes, we're gonna open our table, sit with some other people. I don't live in that dream world, okay? So I would challenge you to go home, maybe sit with some others, maybe the people you're already sitting with and have some conversation, have some discussion. Hear this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer 
of the ladder. Do you hear it? If I have a picture in my head of what the perfect community is like, and the community I have is not like that, then I destroy the community I have. This is the community you've got. This is our family, friends, whether we like it or not. Over the coming week, I hope you'll ask yourself, imagine what does my dream community look like? Paint a clear picture, be able to talk about it. And then look around your actual community, your actual Christian community and say, who's missing from my ideal community, from my dream community? Who did I leave out? Who is it hard for me to imagine in that space? And why? And secondly, if we can only see the true value of the other through the mystery of Christ, through the worship of Christ, through presence with Christ, how does that change the way we enter to worship? How does that change the way we come into this space? Because if I come here looking for those people who are missing in my, at my table, I approach this differently. How do I approach who I gather with in groups? How do I approach who's at my table? Almighty God, we are overwhelmed by the fact that you have called us to be your body on earth, that you have called us to be a source of grace and peace to a world full of chaos and separation. God, we pray this morning that you would turn our hearts toward you and turn our hearts towards those people that we have left out. Turn our hearts towards you and turn our hearts towards those people that we have a hard time hearing. Give us the courage to be your body. We pray all this in Jesus' name.